What's up, everyone? This is Robert Ross with the Nomad Business and Lifestyle Podcast. Do you daydream about quitting your job, walking away from your 9-to-5 corporate lifestyle, but curious how other people afford their lives traveling and living in a far-off location? Ten years ago, I quit my financial services job, sold everything I owned, and moved to a small surf town in coastal Ecuador with nothing but my dog, six surfboards, and a suitcase. Since then, I built a large hotel and real estate business in Montanita, Ecuador, called the Mi Hotel and Villas, Montanita Estates. But most importantly, I created the environment where I can focus my energy and every minute of the day doing exactly what I want to do, whether it's spending time with my family, surfing, kite surfing, and growing the Mi Hotel. Along the way, I've spent countless hours meeting and talking to others who have traded in their corporate lifestyles to take control of their future, enjoying the life of the nomadic traveler and business abroad. On this podcast, I'm going to share my experiences and those of others that are following their passions of living in exotic locations, while most importantly, continuing to earn and create business opportunities. I know it's a dream for many young couples to travel the world and settle on an exotic beach with nothing but a good book, coconut, and a hammock. I was lucky enough to do just that, but when children come into the equation, there's always a lot of concern about school and their future. Recently, I had the good fortune to talk to Keith Keller and Garrett Parker about raising small children in Ecuador. Keith and Garrett and I all live on the coast of Ecuador and have experienced what schooling children is like while living your dream to escape to an exotic beach. Garrett lives in Manta, which is a city of 200,000 people, whereas Keith and I live in a small surf town of less than 1,000 people, about two hours south of Manta. We've all had very unique positive experiences figuring out schooling for our children here in Ecuador, and I've taken excerpts from my recent interviews with them to share with you. This first interview is Garrett and I talking about school for our children who were born here, and the differences and similarities between Manta and Montanita. And then also kind of give maybe some details about what schools are like. Are they mm-hmm. private? Are they public? How much do they cost? Um, do you think they're any good? So schools are, you know, that, that was, that was um, a, a very big concern of mine at first. It was just because being from USA, I guess, in my head, it's like I have, like, we need to do it the USA way. Um, but after talking to a lot of my friends that, that are a little bit older than me, their kids have graduated or are in school, I, I got a lot of information from them. There's some really amazing schools in Monta. My son was at Glen Doman. We had a wonderful experience. Great teachers. I mean, Ecuador, what I learned here is like family is very, very important to everybody here. Like that's number one before everything is family. And also those teachers and that love, like they give so much love and schools are so much different. Like when I went to the first um, get together at the school where the kids all sing to everybody and do all that. I mean, the teachers got up there and did this dance to Shakira, you know, (laughs) and it's like you wouldn't see the teachers in the States doing this huge dance to Shakira the way they were dancing. But it was so natural and cool, and I loved it. And I thought, man, this is amazing. Like, I wish that I had grown up and had this experience, you know, because um, I went through the typical school system in the USA, and and I have so many great memories. But what my son is going through here in these schools, I think, is amazing. 
Um, and this next year, uh, he's old enough, we were about to switch over to um, Leonardo da Vinci, which is known as the nicest school in Monta. Um, it was started by a very good friend of mine, Monica, Miss Monica and Bill Dillman. They started the school. Um, and that's Nino's mom. I don't know if you knew that. Nino's mom. I didn't know that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So Nino's mother started Leonardo da Vinci on the other side of the town. And then they bought that property um, over there by Ciudad de Mar in the south end. And they built this beautiful school. It's like, it looks like a, something out of Santorini. It's right on the water. Um, yeah. I mean, they teach all, you know, it's, it's state of the art. And as far as cost, um, it's, that's, that's one downside I would say. I mean, I, and I hate to say that, but I guess I went through, I, I was in, in private schools where I grew up in Alaska. The public schools were really, really good and it was yeah. free. So for me, like we pay, I think 275 a month, $275 a month, us cash. And we're going to be paying that until he graduates. Actually, it'll go up once he gets a little bit older, I think up to 350 So you do have to pay for school, and it is a private school. Now, there are public schools. Yeah, just to give you, Garrett, just to give you an idea, man. That like, So I toured uh, Leonardo da Vinci, and it's beautiful, just so everybody knows. It, it, it looks like Pepperdine. It's on a hill. It's ocean view. It's brand new. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, but... Uh, uh, private schools in the U.S. these days are going for between twenty and forty thousand dollars a year, uh-huh. um, and clearly the education is going to be better at a private school in the U.S. But to go to a school like Leonardo da Vinci and only pay two seventy three hundred dollars a month is absolutely fantastic for a private school. So yeah, I was when I, I I actually went to private school in Washington D.C. because I grew up in the city, um, uh-huh. and uh, when I heard the price of Leonardo da Vinci and I did the tour, I was shocked. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 no thanks for that info because for like I said, for me in Alaska, this, the public school system was really really good. So we yeah. went through all my friends. We all went to to the through the public school system in Alaska. But I have so many friends in New York and in Seattle and California that they all went to private, and they explained <laughs> they explained that to me. It was twenty five thousand dollars a year, thirty thousand. I just thought, oh my goodness, yeah. um, and the stories they told me that happened, and you know. And even going through the, the the school system I did, I mean, it's just, I it's just such a di- it's a night and day difference between the culture. Um, you know, I feel like, and this is just my opinion, I feel like kids in the USA get introduced to things maybe a little sooner than kids here, possibly. I've just seen that um, personally. I've seen it. Um, you know, my friend's kids, Italo, uh, they own a big fish factory. He has two kids. Uh, Actually, sorry, he has three kids. Two of them just graduated college. They went through Leonardo da Vinci. They just graduated college in Argentina. They're back here working. And and all my friends, not only them, but like a lot of my other friends that went through Leonardo da Vinci, they all went off to college in USA. They went off to college wherever. And and none of them had like any drug issues, any any of these issues that like the the, the heroin epidemic in the USA – you know, none of them like ex- went through any of that. And there's, you know, none of them know about that kind of stuff at all. Um, they're yeah. these really bright, innocent, amazing kids with great ideas. And, and I just, you yeah. know, when I call back home, I hear about my friends in school and the epidemics and, and, the, and the drug scene over there. It's, it's, it's really sad to hear. Um, yeah, I but, here with my kids also um, who, are, who are seven and four. 
Um, they're like little bubble kids here. You know, we had them in right. nature, uh, surrounded by nature with animals. And, and the, the, we had, a uh, we have a little, uh, private schools here with just 20, 30 kids. Um, really they're outdoor schools and, and bamboo huts. So they're, they're beautiful. They've got a pool, uh, with, with, I think four students per teacher. This was when my kids were between the ages of two and five. And, wow. uh, I, the same, I had the same fears as you that whenever I would go to the U S the kids, just what they would know at an early wow. age, as far as, uh, what's going on in the world, things you don't want kids to know at that age, just so much more advanced. And to be honest, I miss my little bubble kids. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. This next excerpt is Keith and I talking about having small children in neighboring rural surf towns in Ecuador of less than a thousand people. So, hey, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the kids. Um, a lot of people, you know, are considering moving and they might have small kids. It sounds like you had your first child in New York. And then I know you've got two more that were born in Ecuador. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, how how that's worked out for you with schooling and, and any other concerns that you had, things that you like, things that you didn't like about raising or don't like about raising kids here. Yeah, I mean, I always tell people if you if you haven't traveled the world with your wife or even as a person, I think before you really lock yourself down to have kids, you need to do that first. And if you've done that and you still want out of the matrix and the lifestyle and you want to do a, a nomadic style life, I think um, you know, it's very important to realize you're going to eventually want to provide for your children a little bit more. And and, and be in a rustic village that Ayampe's been, um, you know, my first child had he it was, I mean, he, he's a really good child. It was very hard for him in the beginning um, because there wasn't as there was no other gringo kids or foreigners his age that lived where we were. Um, he spoke a lot. He ended up speaking a lot of Spanish very quickly, um, being he was only one years old when he moved there. Now eleven, he gained more friends. Now there's newer, you know, foreign people living there with their children. So it kind of has come about in the new wave of yampeños and people that are moving in there. They're all classically happy about the Montessori school that's evolved. See, all that stuff is what I'm getting at is evolved post, you know, being ballsy and investing in a, in a Pueblo that had 300 people in it, 15 cows and 200 horses. You know, now it's <laughs> now it's got like now it's got literally 15 to 20 restaurants. It's got about 30 hotels combined with Airbnbs. It just doesn't look like it because it's not sold like Montanita was side by side by side by side, you know, where. Yampe now it's so going back to that with kids, you know, it's evolving and, and the better future for kids is there. Now for us, we were driving our kids every day. They were my son when it was time to go to school, we put him into a local school, pre-K. We believe in that. Like, you know, I don't care if he eats dirt, I don't care if he jumps off a tree into the river and then it's it's swamp. I mean, I want him to indulge and, and swim in the germs and the and and, and and create those antibiotics to fight pandemics to be strong and be strong. <laughs> You know, don't be the little wuss who's in a bubble who's who's going to get sick every freaking change of weather. And, you know, it's for we're believers of that. And then and, and so as he evolved and started going to school and getting out with the locals and became a little bit rougher, you know, we had our second kid. And then, of course, our third one. And by that time, they've all gone to the school in Puerto Lopez that my wife really is the boss of. So whatever she says goes. I'm a really artsy guy. If they wanted to learn how to shape boards for the rest of their lives and run the hotel, I would let them. But my wife really <laughs> She wants them to be able to deserve whatever they want later. And that means being able to um, 
you know, send their transcript abroad and get accepted to a college perhaps in the state. So all the schools we've dealt with now and enrolling here in the future will have to do so. So that was one of the main reasons we were moving towards San Lorenzo. Anybody who does listen to this, that's another tip is, you know, we waited 10 years. That's probably the only downfall of us moving out of the area more than anything was the, the, there was talks of schools coming. They never did. Um, the Montessori is a good school. It's good enough, but it doesn't, they're not going to have the international recognition that probably uh, the, the, the German school or the, the Jefferson and all these bigger ones in Manta and Guayaquil have. Let's say that my son, six more years when he graduates school, which is crazy, in six more years, he's going to graduate and he'll be off, off to wherever he wants to go. So that, that for me and my wife was very important. And, and living in San Lorenzo, it has a 20-minute car ride to get into Manta to those amazing schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I have a similar experience where I've, I've loved having my kids here um, up until the age of my, my son's seven. And now we're, we're taking a hard look uh, at, at Monta also because the schools are a bit better up there. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Da Vinci, there's, there's a number yeah. of really good schools up there that, that are going to be great for, for your kids. So that's cool. Sure. And then, I mean, in this area, since when I got here, 10 years ago, there was no schools, just the local schools. And now I think there's two schools that are run by, um, by, by expats that they're, the, the focus is ultimately to have a school in this area, but, um, that that's good enough to get people into university in other, in other countries. But it's a, it's a process. I've actually been a part of, of two groups that were trying to start schools and it's not easy. Um, so, but it's happening. It's just not happening as, as fast as we both would have liked in this area. So up yeah. until seven, 10, Old, it's it's great but as you get above that you you have to really start looking at other places yeah i mean that's you know to each his own you know i mean i'm i'm a guy yeah. that really likes uh <clears throat> you know that likes fairness i'm i try to be up the middle i don't ride any po- political party left or right i don't i'm like that in a crowd of friends you know some guys stay in the cliques and girls i just i'm a right down the middle type of guy and for me whatever my wife wants you know she's gonna get for them for education but at the same time, I do I do want to allow them to kind of take their own path because no matter what you push them to, inevitably they're probably going to want to do the other thing. So, um, but I just want to make sure they have that opportunity. These were really interesting discussions with Garrett and Keith about raising kids in Ecuador. They have unique insight that not many people can provide. Keith and I have both lived through not having great local schooling options as we settled in really small rural surf towns. We've both taken active roles in the education of our children, working directly with schools and teachers as well as online programs. Garrett has the good fortune of already living in Manta, but if you listen to the full interview, often thinks about an easier lifestyle for himself living in Montanito or Yampe. We're all always looking for balance. This podcast was excerpts from recent interviews with both Keith and Garrett. If you'd like to hear more from the recent interviews, please find them wherever you downloaded the Nomad Business and Lifestyle Podcast. And stay tuned for future podcasts solely focused on schooling options in Ecuador or wherever exotic beach you decide to live.